Are you not entertained? Get busy living, or get busy dying. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. Welcome to this week's edition of Taboo Talk with Jay Louder. Today's guest is somebody that some of you may be familiar with. She has been on HGTV's Hometown Kickstart. She has an absolutely phenomenal story. And I can't help but think that maybe today, some of you who are listening to our podcast, maybe your world has come crashing down. Maybe everything that you've put hope in or everything that you believe to be solid as a rock has come crumbling down. And you wonder if there's any hope. Well, I believe that today when you hear the story of Sarah McDaniel, you're going to find a new hope. Sarah, welcome to Taboo Talk with Jay Louder. So glad to have you today. Thank you, Jay. It's an honor to be on with you. Well, it's great to have you. And matter of fact, we were talking before we just got started, really excited this summer in August, we're going to be doing an area-wide crusade there in El Dorado, I think I'm saying that right. Isn't that right? El Dorado is not El Dorado. It El, is. Okay. El Dorado, long A. <laughs> yeah, El Dorado, Arkansas. We're doing an area-wide crusade. We've got a lot of different churches involved. And matter of fact, one night we are going to have a women's event, and you and I both are going to be speaking. So I'm really excited about that. So that's great. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be great. Now, actually, you're living in Minden right now. You're originally from El El Dorado. How far is Minden from El Dorado? Well, I'm actually originally from Spring Hill, Louisiana, but I lived in El Dorado for about eight years. And I'm about, it's just about an hour away, maybe an hour and 15 minutes, so not far. Well, I've got to ask you this as we get launched in. Are you a cooker of Cajun food? Oh, am I a cooker of Cajun? I would say that I want to be a cooker of Cajun food. <laughs> I would love to just pay somebody to cook Cajun food for me. They would do a much better job. So you like to eat it, but you're not good at cooking it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, I was preaching in Lafayette, Louisiana, I don't know, three weeks ago. And yeah. uh, anyway, I was there doing a crusade and I love Cajun food. Absolutely love it. Yes. I'm, I'm a big fan of boudin. I love gumbo. It doesn't matter if it's got crawfish, shrimp, sausage. I like all of it. Um, I love etouffee. I love crawfish. Yes. So, And not to give too much information here because people don't want to hear this, but I'll, I'll just say I love it. But living in Texas, it takes, I'll just leave it at this, it takes my stomach a couple of days to get adjusted. Oh, I bet. Yes, I bet. I get that. (laughs) But I do love it. Well, Sarah, let's jump right in and let's start here. Let's talk about your story. I mean, we don't want to get into some things happened obviously in your life that I'm sure were were very difficult and very tragic. And I'm I'm sure that many of our listeners are going to be able to relate to that. But let's let's kind of get started with your story prior to this huge life change that took place. Tell us a little bit about your, your background. Tell us about when you came to faith in Christ, just kind of give us a little bit of a backdrop. Yeah, sure thing. I'll try to make it short and sweet, but if you have questions, just ask me and I'll fill in the gaps. But um, basically, I'm a preacher's kid, was born and raised in the church and came to know Christ at a very young age. I think I was six years old, like kindergarten age or so. And so, you know, was raised in a loving Christian environment. But I also, you know, 
felt a little bit like sheltered and wanted to like sow my wild oats, if you will. And so what's interesting about all of this is that I left Louisiana once I graduated high school, went to college at Washita Baptist and said, I'm leaving Louisiana. I'm never coming back to Louisiana. I'm done with it. You know, I'm ready to go out and see the world. And so married while I was in college and as fate would have it my very first job was right back in Louisiana so when you said you're never coming back that that automatically ensured that you'd be back exactly exactly but as an 18 year old saying that you don't have the you know the foreshadowing knowledge that we have as an adult right 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 so that when I when I talk I always say you know those are my famous last words so anyway, moved back to Louisiana and was a teacher. And after being here for about three years, we were done again. And so I left and said, I'm never coming back to Louisiana. I'm leaving. And so that's when we ended up in El Dorado. And so now, worked did y'all, in El did y'all go there for your husband's job or did you go there for your job or how did y'all end up there? We did. Actually, it was for his job. So he was a coach at the Christian school there. And so, and I was a teacher, so, you know, got a job teaching third grade. And then after we got there, I moved my way up through the ranks, if you will, and became the technology director and then later assistant principal. And so, you know, we were always kind of looking for like, what is the next big thing? And got an opportunity to leave El Dorado and move out to Salt Lake City. And that was for his job again. And, you know, we're just super excited. We had doubled our salaries. We thought we could snow ski every weekend. But shortly after we got out there, my marriage started falling apart. Now, how long had you been married? At the, by the way, I love Salt Lake. I haven't preached there I know, in a while. Yeah. It's been a while. Beautiful, beautiful area. How long had you guys been married at this point? And were y'all still plugged into church? Yeah. So I think, let's see, let me do the math. We've been married at that point about... 11 or 12 years we moved out there and we were still plugged into church it obviously is very different than being you know at church in the south because everything is you know there's a lot of lds out there and we had both grown up baptist but we did find a sweet little baptist fellowship out there and we're a part of that and long story short marriage fell apart we moved to texas i thought to rebuild but that's not what happened and ended up getting divorced in Texas. And that's, you know, kind of where my life, I thought was taking a turn for the worst, but it's really where, you know, God met me in that season and just gave me the life of my dreams. Now, before we get too much there, um, you guys are in Salt Lake. Y'all been married 11 or 12 years. As you said, you're right. a preacher's kid. Right. I'm, I'm assuming that you thought, like most people, I mean, I'll never end up in, in divorce. Yep. And yep. I'm sure that was a, a huge shocker without getting too far in, in the weeds there. I mean, you'd mentioned that your your marriage was already struggling. Did, did you kind of see this coming? I mean, had there been issues going on for a long time? Or Because I hear people that say, my husband, my wife left me. I, I mean, I had no idea. I thought everything was fine. And then I, I hear other people say, no, there'd kind of been rumblings for quite some time. And I kind of saw the handwriting was on the wall. Where were you at in that equation? Yeah, no, I was blindsided. So I I was the one that thought everything is fine. You know, I had no idea anything was wrong literally until 
it wasn't. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was blindsided, and which so, made it even much more difficult. Right, yeah. And I'm assuming that when you said you guys moved back to Texas to kind of rekindle the fires, I'm assuming that you found out about the affair while you guys were in Salt Lake. Is that correct? That's correct, yes. Right. And so yes. you guys were and just so, kind of looking for a new start, thinking maybe we can we can repair. And then how long were you guys back in Texas before it, it, it all came crashing down? Uh, probably, I'm trying to think, six, six or eight months before, like, again, then I could see the handwriting on the wall, you know. So probably six or eight months before I just, you know, I realized, like, this is not, this is not working. And I am not going to do this anymore. And it was, like, very difficult, you know, because I did grow up in a, you know, a pastor's kid and grew up not to believe in divorce. But, you know, I had biblical basis to move forward with the dissolve of our marriage. And as much as I didn't want to do that, like, I could see the handwriting on the wall. And it was horrible but now, I mean, I have not laid eyes on my ex since, gosh, I guess July of 2011. And if I ever should run into him, I'll probably kiss his face because I never, ever dreamed I could have the life that I have now. And it's literally all because, you know, I walked through that season. Did you guys have kids or no? No kids. No kids. Which, I mean... Divorce is, I'm, I don't want to minimize it because divorce is difficult under any circumstance, but I, I would think that it's certainly somewhat easier when kids are not involved. That would seem to go. Yeah, I cannot imagine. I mean, that that's a blessing in disguise. And that's, that's a whole another part of my story. We ever do a part two is that we had tried to have children. And I 100% think that that was the Lord's protection over my life because I I cannot imagine having to deal with all of that, you know, right now. So that was for sure a blessing. And how, how long have you guys been divorced now? Gosh, it was a final November of 11. So what is that, like 12, 13 years now, I guess? Okay. Wow, yeah. So talk a little bit just about that, because I know there are, we have listeners that maybe they're going through a divorce or just came out of one. Or maybe it, it looks like there's a possibility of it. And, of course, you growing up as a preacher's kid and it being instilled in you that, you know, you, you get married once and you stay together. Right. Did you go through a season? I mean, was there a bitterness at God about it? Was there, did that create a chasm between you and God? I mean, how, how did you how did you walk through just that part of it? Because, again, this is, I know every everybody dreams of the white picket fence and I'm right. going to have this storybook wedding and, and marriage, and, and then all of a sudden, and, and you did have biblical yeah. reasons, but it, everything falls apart. I mean, what does that do as far as your relationship to Christ? Did you go through a season where you, you wandered away from the Lord, or you were bitter at the Lord, or questioned Him, or, 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 or how did that unfold for you? Yeah, I wouldn't say necessarily that I wandered away from Him, but I was very angry, <laughs> you know, and, and I remember, like, just crying out to him and just saying like god like you could have prevented all of this like you could have like stopped this and you could have made this not happen and you chose not to and why and of course when you're going through the middle of it like you can't see the glory and the good that he's going to bring out of it and so i've probably stayed in a place of bitterness for about i don't know two or three years like 
you know, after everything was over and done with. But I don't know. And I don't know when it happened, but sometime over that period, like I just am like, okay, like enough is enough. Like I can either sit in this and, you know, let this, let this like mean devil, like sit on my shoulder for the rest of my life. Or I can make some purposeful, intentional decisions to, in essence, like get out of this rut. And I realized, Jay, like, oh my gosh, like I have got an opportunity for a do-over at my life. And I realized like what an incredible gift that was. You know, not many people get the opportunity to rewrite their destiny and start fresh. And as bad as that situation was, like I all of a sudden like was determined, like, I'm going to, I'm going to do, I'm going to have a do over and I'm going to change things and I'm going to do it right. And so I started working with a life coach, went through counseling and gosh, just one thing led to another. And I audibly heard the Lord call me to move home to Louisiana and argued with him about it, but came up to Minden for a visit and saw my house. And it was rotted and falling down. But all I need to tell you, Jay, is that in that moment, I knew that I knew that I knew that it was supposed to be my house. And it has altered the course of my life in ways I never dreamed. So you 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 stayed in Texas there uh, for a while. And, and you said I did. you went through about a two or three year, I mean, it sounds like vertigo, just spiritual vertigo, yeah. emotion, emotional vertigo. and. I mean, what you don't really know what the tipping point was where you finally said, "Okay, listen, I, I can stay in a pity party now for the rest of my life, or, or I can I can move on and start new." I mean, do you think that this had something to do? Was it because of the therapy, or was it because the relationship between you and the Lord began healing? Or I mean, there had to be some tipping point that that took you out of that. What sounds like depression? Yeah, yeah. I, you know, honestly, I can't think of like one pivotal moment I can just like think of like I was I was doing things to invest in myself so you know I was playing tennis two or three nights a week on a ladies tennis league I was involved in um, a small group bible study with ladies from all walks of life I poured myself into my work and I was a sales rep at that time for an educational company and so I just think all of those things you know, just kind of came together and just made me realize, like, I get a do-over. So I don't know that there was one pivotal moment, but I did make purposeful, intentional decisions, like, to get out of that rut. And it just all kind of came together collectively, I would say. Yeah, it was a culmination, it sounds like, of a lot of things. And I think there's even a lesson right there in that. You know, you talked about your, your relationship with the Lord began to change. You, you were going to counseling. You got a life coach. So, I mean, you were taking some active steps. It's not like yes. you, were, you were praying for a, a wheat harvest and you had not sowed any seeds. I mean, you were sowing Correct. seeds in, in your personal life and it sounds like in your spiritual life. I would be curious because I've heard people say this that have gone through a divorce or are going through one that they felt a lot of judgment. I'd, I'd be curious if you went through that from some of the people in the Ooh, church. Yes. Talk a little bit about that. I mean, I would assume that that would have added insult to injury. Here you're already in a state of depression. Your world's been turned upside down. You never presumed that you would be facing what you're facing. And then when you needed really love the most and unaccept, uh, unconditional acceptance, now you find 
yourself in a situation. And was this people in the church or was this close family? Talk a little bit about that because I can't help but think that there are people who are listening that are going through that right now and only makes a very difficult situation even worse. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to answer this in a way you're probably not expecting. Okay. So hurt me personally, I never experienced judgment. However, I kept my story a secret for a very long time. And this is one of the things I talk about in my talk because I was so embarrassed. And, you know, I was this preacher's kid and, you know, we taught Sunday school together and we went on mission trips together. And like my marriage was supposed to last forever, you know, and this, what happened to me was supposed to happen to other people. And because we were in Salt Lake, Literally, Jay, for over a year, no one in my life other than my parents and actually a good friend in Eldorado knew what was going on. Like my world was crumbling, but I was able to hide it from everybody around me. And if I had to do that again, I would not do it that way. And even so, after the divorce was final, this was at this was at a time when like Facebook was, you know, just getting started, right? It wasn't it wasn't a big thing then. And so I just, you know, slowly started taking pictures of him like off of my page and just wasn't talking about my marriage. And for a very long time, people had no idea that I was no longer married. So with that being said, the shame and the judgment that I felt, I think I brought it on myself. Because just thinking, what are other people thinking about me? Or what will they think if they find out I'm married? And when I did finally, like, quote, unquote, blow off the proverbial lid, I mean, there was some shock, sure. But somebody once told me, you know, you'll be you'll be the talk of the town for two weeks. And then the, the town talk will move on to somebody else. And that's exactly what happened. I never personally experienced judgment other than the shame and judgment I brought on myself that I thought other people were thinking about me. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the proverbial stain on the shirt where you go yeah. out and, and you've got a little bit of stain and, and you think everybody notices it. Really, nobody yeah. knows it but you. But there's another right. aspect of this that, and don't take this the wrong way because we're all guilty of this, all of us, starting with, with me, especially as somebody who's a full-time evangelist, people have this assumption that, my life is perfect and my marriage is perfect and my kids are perfect. And none of that's true. I mean, um, I've talked publicly on this podcast with my wife. We've been in marriage counseling off and on our entire marriage and we're not ashamed of it or embarrassed of it. But I appreciate the fact that you said if you had to do it over again, you would have been more open about it because I think there's, I don't think I'm convinced that there is this mirage that goes on in, in church and in Christian life where None right. of us want anybody to know the real truth of our wounds and of our scars and our struggles because right. we're afraid of what people think about us. And, and first of all, really, people aren't thinking about us. They're thinking about themselves. But we want to give this illusion, this mirage that we have it all together because we don't want to be judged and we want to be accepted. Right. But the bad right. thing about that is, is that then there are other people who are also going through similar situations just like we are who assume about us, well, I've got all these issues, but they don't have them. They wouldn't understand and they wouldn't relate, relate. And then what ends up happening as a result of that, 
everybody's wounded, but everybody has their wounds covered, and so nobody's getting help. And That's again, right. I, I don't mean that in an accusatory way, because again, I'm no, I'm, not at all. Yeah, but I, I think I think we all do that, and and there's just that that tendency that we want to we want to to cover things, and we we want to keep things hidden, and. I think right. one of the best things that we could do as believers, and I'm not talking about going around and just airing all of our dirty laundry, but being real and being transparent and being vulnerable. Because especially yes. when I talk to non-believers, I mean, I'm amazed at how many people who are non-believers or people who attend church on a rare basis, they feel like, well, gosh, I could never fit in because all those people seem to have it together. And the truth of it is they right. don't. They're sinners That's just right. like we are, and, and they have That's issues right. just like we do. And so I appreciate the fact that you're saying that if you had to do it over again, that there would be a greater level of transparency. Yes, and for I've, sure. I've always believed, too, and I've said it so many times on this podcast, that your pain is often your your platform. That's and, right. And so it That's gives, right. And, and it, it really is what gives you an opportunity to, to be – a catalyst and an influence and a help to other people. So that's right. Uh, but yep, again, I agree. Yeah. I, I think what you did is a common thing. And, and I, I think it's just a stigma that, that needs to be broken, but I am glad to hear that once people found out that you really didn't, because I hear that a lot. I, I do hear that. And right. I think that's another, another thing. I think some people also are not transparent because they have seen other situations where somebody has been, and it seemed as though rather than helping the wounded, we began to bury them. That's right. Yeah. So you 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 you, you take some steps, you, you get in therapy, you get a life coach, and then you said you saw your house. What do you mean by that? Is this a house that you previously lived in, or is this a house you grew up in, or just a house you were looking to buy a house and then you saw this house? Explain that. Yeah, so I was actually having dinner with some customers down in Laredo, Texas in February 2014. And I kid you not when I say this, I got in my car to drive back to my hotel and I audibly heard the Lord call me to move home to Louisiana. And I was like, what? Like, no, like I'm, you know, I'm happy. I was in Corpus Christi, Texas. I'm happy in Texas. I live, you know, 15 minutes from the beach. I've got a great job. Like I'm not moving home to Louisiana, but like he does, he wouldn't let me let it go. And so I wrestled with him for about, you know, eight or nine months. And I'm like, okay, fine. Like if you want me to move home, I want an old house and to live close to an airport because I was traveling for work at the time. I, you know, would like to be near my parents. And I would like to live in a community with safe and walkable amenities. And so fast forward to December 2014, I was visiting my parents for Christmas. And I was, you know, wrestling with this decision to move home to Louisiana. Like, where would I move? Who would I be friends with? All of those things. And I took my mom's car and I drove to Minden and just to see, you know, how I felt when I was there. Would it be a fun place to live? Did it meet the requirements? And I literally was driving through the historic residential district and saw the house that I'm living in now. It was about to fall down. It was in shambles. It was rotted. And just in that moment, like I knew that that house was supposed to be mine. And then began, you know, a 22 month journey to to try to buy this house that was not for sale. It was vacant, but it had been in the family's like heritage for almost a hundred years. And 
they were not willing to sell it, but I just stayed with them and wooed and pursued them for about 22 months. And eventually they sold it to me. And so I renovated it. And it's as simplistic as this seems, I renovated and I started a blog and social media account. And here I've been, you know, on TV and numerous magazine features and, you know, content creations become one of my full-time jobs. And it's just opened up so many incredible doors all because I heard that still small voice. I mean, it's, that's what happens. So were you a person, because that's terrifying to me, the thought of buying, I'm not a, a guy that's a real handyman. And I, I'm presuming that for you to see this house that needed all of this renovation, that you must be the type of person who already knows how to do that. Am I jumping to conclusions here? Uh, somewhat. So I had dabbled in real estate investing, you know, up until that point. But my ex-husband and I would always like buy a house that needed work or renovation and do some of the work ourselves or hire out the work. So I had a little bit of experience like doing that, but this was like, this was a major, major renovation. And interestingly enough, Jay, I'm, I'm very type A, I'm very organized. And so I planned for about three or four months before I even got started and built out my team, you know, made sure the budget was in place and it was a hundred percent smooth. We had no issues whatsoever. Were you also already a writer? Because you talked about how that you started blogging and, and I'm assuming that you started blogging from the jump about how you ended up at this house and the work that needed to be done. Is, is Was that your blogging and were you already a writer to begin with or was this something new for you? Yeah. So I, so before I had Simply Southern Cottage, after my divorce, I did start a blog, simplysarah.com. And I don't blog there anymore just because everything's moved over to the cottage page. But I had been blogging for probably, I don't know, three or four years at that point. So I was, yes, I was somewhat of a writer, but, you know, with a very limited platform at that point. And was the blogging about the home, I mean, I'm presuming that you had no idea what this was going to lead to. This was just a no. way of expressing. I mean, was this an outlet for you? Because I remember when my daughter was in the hospital, I regularly, I didn't actually have a blog page, but I wrote on social media and I would write right. about our day and what Kaylee was going through. And I really honestly wasn't doing it so much to give people an update. I was doing it because it was the only way that I could keep my sanity. For me, it was an escape. And, and I wondered, mm. was it that way for you? Or were you thinking, people want to hear about the renovation of my house? Or, or, or what was the impetus behind that? Yeah, so a little of both. So Simply Sarah was really my first outlet of getting like all of these divorce emotions out of me. And so then when I started renovating my house, I just started blog a blog and social accounts because I thought, you know, the, the good people of Minden will want to follow along and my parents and my sister will click like. And so basically I just kind of transitioned from only talking about my divorce and my life. And I started paralleling that, like the restoration of my life alongside the restoration of my home. And so that's what the blog content moved over into with Simply Southern Cottage. And did you have someone that helped you promote that blog or is it something that just took off organically? It was all organic. It was all me. <laughs> really? 
And so yes. you started gaining a, a, a pretty strong following. And, um, and again, as you said, it was part of not only the restoration of the house, but paralleling that with your own restoration, which, you know, the truth of the matter is everybody's hurting in one capacity or the other. Right. And so you That's started right. gathering this, this large following. Um, obviously, you're aware that's taking place. And so is that how it ended up leading to, you know, your appearance on HD, HDTV? And then, again, I know you've been featured in, in numerous different articles. Is is that what happened? People begin to... Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So, so honestly, like the HDTV thing happened not necessarily because of my... Not directly because of my blog and, you know, my social accounts, but... My neighbor, Rachel, and I, we both have a common goal of making Minden the absolute best it can be. And so there was an all call that came out. Let's see. Let me do the math. I think it was back during COVID. So 2020 and HGTV Hometown was looking for other towns that they were going to, in essence, renovate. And so we applied Minden and we lost that year to Wetumpka, Alabama. They were chosen for the first season of Hometown Takeover. And so about a year later, another all call came out and they were again looking for towns. And, you know, we had built relationships with the casting team on that and we're connected with them on social and um, applied us again. And this time we won. And so, you know, not necessarily because of my following or my accounts, but, you know, also but partly in part because of relationships that I, I had built because of that. Mm-hmm. How many people follow that blog, Sarah? Gosh, I ha- across all platforms right now, I am approaching like half a million, which is crazy to oh, even think that. about. That is I know, it's unbelievable. Sir, were people telling you when you were, maybe your family, uh, I know you said your dad's a preacher, when you were going through the divorce and you were going through this emotional and spiritual roller coaster, I'm sure you must have heard what a lot of believers hear that God's going to take this for good and and uh, He doesn't allow bad things to happen to good people. But somehow, well, he, he all things work together for good to those that love the Lord. I'm sure you heard all those things, but I'm sure that while you must have heard those things, you would have never dreamed that your tragedy that this divorce would have ever turned into what it's turned into? No, not at all. And my one friend from El Dorado that kind of walked with me through everything, she would tell me like, you're going to be fine. Like, you're going to be fine. Just you wait and see. And I, you know, I remember saying, no, I'm not like, you know, my life is over. I'm never going to be happy again. And and she would sit there and just like instill in me, like, you are going to be fine. And so one of the verses that I hung on to, like all those years was Ephesians 3.20. You know, God can do infinitely and abundantly more than I could ever ask or imagine. And so, you know, when I first was believing that verse and reading that verse, like I never dreamed that. I mean, it, it honestly is true. Like, I never would dream that my life would be where it is today. And so that's kind of the verse that I give to everybody. Just hang on to that because you just don't know what God is going to do through your story. I mean, I'm a living, breathing example of that. Sir, when you were hearing those things, uh, I think about several times in my life when all hell broke loose. Yeah. And people were quoting scripture to me. 
telling me that God's going to work all things for good. And I'll just go back to the most recent when my daughter was literally on a tightrope of life and death. Not only did I hear those things and didn't believe them, if I were to be honest, I didn't even want to hear them. It, to me, yeah. it was no consolation. I mean, I even thought at several points, if, if people are even right, if somehow God is able to heal my daughter from this incurable disease, if she does live through it, it, it it's not a good trade-off. I mean, did you go right. through a season where you heard those things and not only did you not believe them, which you've already admitted to, but did you also go through a time where you didn't even want to hear that? Oh, yeah, because all I wanted, all I wanted was for my marriage to be healed. And I wanted to live out the rest of my days with him and for everyone in our lives to never know about this season. Like that's ideally in my mind, in the moment, how this, how I wanted it to play out. And oh my goodness, it would have been like such a nightmare on so many levels. I think, you know, God can do anything, but I just think if we would have stayed married, like it just, it would have been a nightmare. And so God knew, like he knew what he was doing. And even though he didn't, you know, cause the affair and cause the the things that led up to the divorce, like he's like, oh, like devil, like you messed with the wrong one. You know, I'm going to show you that what, how you intended to take her out. Like, I'm not going to let that happen. And he has literally made good on that a million times over. Yeah, and the reason I ask that question is because I can't help but think that there are some people that are listening to this podcast today and they're going, they're, maybe they're feeling like I did. Not only do yeah. I not believe that this tragedy somehow is going to be turned into a triumph because it seems so unrealistic compared to the pain and the quicksand that I'm stuck in right now, but right. they also say, yeah, that's great for Jay and that's great for Sarah, but not only do I not believe that, I, I, I don't even want to hear it. And and I right. know that, and I, I can't speak obviously for your life, but my daughter now is doing so much better. She still yeah. has an incurable disease. The doctors say that there is no cure for it. Obviously, we pray for that, but right. it, it I don't go around either trying to make people think that although my daughter is doing much, much better, she actually now works part-time right here at the ministry, but at the same time, I don't lead people to believe that, well, everything's great now. I mean, it's way better right. than what it was, but it doesn't mean, I mean, hey, this is a dress rehearsal. This isn't the wedding. The wedding doesn't take place right. until we get to heaven. And so it That's doesn't right. matter who you are, you know, there are going to be struggles, but I, I wish right. somehow that that people listening today who are in the midst of that storm that, I mean, it seems as though there is no escape and there is no hope. And even if it does turn around, I'm going to walk with a limp the rest of my life. That somehow God could use your story today to help them see that although they may believe that now and they may feel that now, that today is not a predictor of what God can and wants to do tomorrow. And, And I'm sure you wouldn't say this, but and, but I would say this about you because I know it to be true. At the end of the day, of course, God is responsible for the blessings that he has brought in your life and how he has turned a very difficult situation into something that's marvelous. No question, that's right. no doubt about it. 
But it doesn't mean that, that, that things have been easy, and I'm sure it doesn't mean that there aren't scars that have come about as a result of what you've been through. For sure. And I'll just say also, and this is, again, a, a story for another day, but I'm just wrapping up a major renovation of eight historic villas here in Minden that are now eight little Airbnbs. And last fall was probably the most difficult season of my life next to my divorce. It was really, really hard. I mean, it's that seems first world, right? But I mean, there was just a lot of moving parts. And I remember thinking in the fall, like, I'm, I am not going to make it through this. And I'm like, what's wrong with you, Sarah? Like you, you made it through like this horrible divorce. Like it was the worst thing that ever happened to you. Like this is nothing. And so I would also just encourage people if they're listening, you know, don't think it's going to be smooth sailing once you get through one crisis. But I will tell you now that I have walked through that, it does make current trials a little bit easier to stomach because he has proven himself faithful before and I know that he'll prove himself faithful again. Well, I love that you said that and there's a lot of weight to that statement because that is God's intention that the storms that we go through, it doesn't mean that we won't go through more. As I already said, this is the dress rehearsal. There was never a promise that this life was going to be easy. We live in a broken world, but yet it is God's will that as we go through different different adversities and difficulties and struggles, that it does make us more prepared and more equipped for the ones that we're going to go through in the future. God wants right. to use them as preparation. Now, sometimes we prohibit that or we stymie that because we don't respond the way that we're supposed to respond. But I've got right. to believe, Sarah, that while God gets the credit for what he's done in your life, at the same time, you also do play a role in that, in that you didn't abandon your faith. I mean, I'm sure you went through struggles, and as you stated, you were angry at God, but you didn't abandon your faith. And when it was all said and done, you were still seeking to serve the Lord, seeking to follow the Lord. And there's something to be said about that. And I I think there's also a lesson in that, that, hey, as we go through these, these storms in life, no doubt about it, our faith gets shaken, and sometimes it's extremely weak. But God does want to use it to prepare us for the future. And if we'll stay the course, you know, there's the, yeah. when we look at it in the scriptures in Ephesians, there's that whole putting on the armor, armor of God. And one of the armors of God is having your feet shod with the gospel of peace. And back in that yeah. day and time, the Roman soldier would wear a shoe that would be the equivalence of having nails stuck to the bottom of it. And so when you look at this putting on armor, Yes, there is a time to advance, but there's also a time where you just stand. In other words, you just hold right. your ground. You don't advance, you don't back up, and it's all you can do to just hold your ground. But That's right. no doubt your willingness to stay the course in your faith, albeit I'm sure times of weakness and times that you look back that you wish you would have responded differently, you did remain faithful. You didn't shipwreck your faith. And I just know that God always, always, always blesses faithfulness. Sir, tell yeah. our listeners, too, about has this enabled you? I mean, obviously, you have a bigger platform. I know we were talking briefly before we got on the podcast today, and not only are you involved in real estate and Airbnb, you're a content creator, you do educational counseling, excuse me, consulting. You're in the process of writing a book. I mean, your, your plate is, is full. But how yeah. has this allowed you to, 
I mean, has this also not only given you a back, but it's obviously given you a bigger platform business wise, but has this also given you a bigger platform as far as your ability to share your faith? Is that something that you regularly talk about in your blogs? Absolutely. I mean, every single day, almost kind of my four favorite words are grace, hope, mercy, and redemption. And we talk about those, I mean, almost on a daily basis. So, you know, every day on Instagram or Facebook, like I, I post these, you know, beautiful pictures of my home or my project, but the nitty gritty happens behind the scenes in those stories. And so we talk a lot about, you know, loving others well, and how, how do you show somebody grace? If somebody cuts you off in traffic, like, do you, you know, how do you respond to that? What if they've just you know, had a bad day. So absolutely. And I get messages almost on a daily basis, either in direct messages or emails of just people saying like how much my story has blessed them. And, you know, it's given them hope as they've walked through a divorce or another trial. So yeah, I mean, for sure, like it's allowed me to connect with lots of women on a more, on a more personal level and just help them have hope through their trials. Well, and this is something that we talk about regularly on this podcast, that whatever you've been through, that God does want to use that as a tool for yes. you to be able to help bring healing and restoration to others. That sometimes God does allow us to go through different kinds of trials for that very purpose so that we can That's be equipped. Right. And so we can relate to other people. Not only have That's I right. mentioned all your business ventures, and, and thank God that you do use this as a megaphone for the faith. But on top of that, and we don't, we won't get into that. But you did mention that you've been in a committed, long-term relationship. How long did you say for quite some time? I know. Gosh, four years now. Oh my goodness! So God's even brought a new man in your life. It's just amazing right. how the Lord has taken what you've been through. And and I, I just hope today again that our listeners, regardless of what they're walking through. I think the message today is, is, and it would be easy to say, well, that's great for Sarah, and and I'm happy for her. But I I truly, Sarah, and it's not just podcast talk. I mean, I I truly believe that God wants, and obviously I'm not talking about the same thing. It it may not fall within the realm of a television program or seven businesses or things like that, but, but God does want to take what you've been through to equip you for the future, to That's allow right. you to know him in a deeper way than you've ever known him, to give you an opportunity to use it as a platform to share your faith, to give other people hope. And I hope that people can see that today because, I mean, Jesus yeah. is not only the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords, but he's also the king of restoration. That's right. And I just love how he is able to, all the things that the enemy has taken from us, God is able to restore. A preacher once told me that for every time that a person or the enemy tried to take down his flag, that God raised it up on another pole. Mm, I love that. And and that's what I see in your life. Sarah, what a a blessing today to just hear your story. And I, I hope that people, how can people, Sarah, is the best way to get connected with you is to follow you? Is it Facebook? Is it Instagram? Is it, I mean, Give our listeners who want to get connected to you, what's the best way to do that? How do they find your blog? What, 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 yeah, so my blog is simplysoutherncottage.com. 
And then I am Simply Southern Cottage across all platforms, most active on Instagram and Facebook. And let me give a shameless plug for my short-term rental website, and it is MendonStays.com. So if anybody finds themselves up and down I-20, need to stop for a night, you want to come spend you know, a few days in the friendliest city in the South, you can visit MendonStays.com to book my property. That's awesome. And then on Instagram, is it just your name? It's just Simply Southern Cottage. Okay, same thing, Simply Southern Cottage. Well, mm-hmm. matter of fact, I'm mm-hmm. going to follow you on Instagram today. Sarah, thank awesome. you so much. I'll follow much. you back. Yeah, I, I so appreciate your time today, and thank you for sharing your story. I'm really excited that you and I are going to be tag-teaming there in El Dorado on Women's Night, and I can't wait for folks to hear you in person. I don't know if I want to follow you, but I, I know I'm going to have to. So after hearing you speak, I, I may not want to say anything, but I'm looking forward to it. Oh, good. <laughs> I can't wait, Jay. Thank you again for having me. Thank you so much, Sarah. Blessings. Sarah.